Hey guys, and welcome to the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine, the first podcast to bring you the local fishing report for Alabama's lakes and rivers, whether it's good, bad, or ugly, presented by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. If you hunt or fish Alabama or in the deep south, you know that it's different down here. Spawning seasons, patterns, food sources, they ain't the same down here as in other parts of the country. At Great Days Outdoors Magazine, Southern Outdoors writers pick the brains of the best Southern hunters and anglers and give you the best how-to, where-to, and when-to articles, along with so much, much more. Pick up a Great Days Outdoors Magazine subscription and become a better Southern Outdoorsman. Great Days Outdoors Magazine can be found at your local Barnes & Nobles, Books a Million, Tractor Supply Company, Rule King, Bass Pro Shops, or you can save and buy online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. What's up, guys? I'm your host, Brian Sand. Thank you for joining us today on the Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report. As always, I'm excited to bring y'all a, another great show. Man, the weather, uh, we've been waiting on this for a minute, but the weather is finally changing. It is, man, it has just felt great out there today. Bluebird skies and uh the forecast is is looking better getting out of those 90s and getting into the 80s and man i think we're even supposed to get down uh close to 60 at night here in the next few few days so that's exciting and uh man i can't wait for the show today to see how that's uh affecting the fish because that's what the show is all about we got to figure out what the fish are doing and where they're doing it so let's get started right away with segment number one. We're going to do the Coosa Talapusa report with my buddy Tucker Smith from the Auburn University fishing team. Tucker, what's going on, buddy? Hey, man. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Doing good. I know you guys have been, y'all been road warriors lately, hadn't you? Yes, sir. We've been traveling everywhere. Uh, I've been nonstop on the road, really. This is kind of our, kind of our break these past couple of weeks. And then we're getting rolling with fall tournaments starting up this weekend. So it'd be every weekend for a while. Where are you going this weekend? This weekend, we're going to Watts Bar. We've got a little college tournament there. And then after that, we're going the next weekend, we're going to go to Russell Lake. And then that next, that tournament's on Saturday of next weekend. Then on Sunday, we're going to Pickwick without any practice. So I think we're just going to have, we're just going to keep hopping around. We're trying to fish as many little tournaments as we can, you know, collect points and, you know, just get as much experience as we can across the country. That's, that's what I've been trying to do in college is get the best experience out of it as I can. Heck yeah, man. That's what it's about. Well, where's, where's Watts at? It's in Tennessee. It's, it's the last impoundment on the Tennessee river. Pretty sure. Okay. I think so. There you go, man. Well, I know you guys, y'all made a good showing up as an, uh, up at the national championship on the what was it, in the potomac no that was at the st lawrence oh, river st lawrence river that's right yeah man it, it, it would have to be challenging and it's a c- cool thing about what you guys are doing and, and and fishing with auburn and all these college teams and what they do there's got to be a learning curve and and a lot of studying that goes into you know from from fishing alabama lakes and to going up there to the St. Lawrence River and fishing for smallmouth in a in a totally different environment, totally different type fishery. How do you prepare when you go off to these other places like that, Tucker? Yeah, I would I would say that's that's true. Yes, sir. I mean, you know, fishing in Alabama, we've got a wide variety of lakes that we fish around here. You know, I I live in Auburn now, and we've got um, the Tallapoosa, the Chattahoochee, and 
the Coosa River all an hours away. So we've we've got really every diversity of lake that you can choose. We've got clear water lakes like Martin, dirtier water lakes like the Coosa River, and uh, you know all this kind of stuff. And then in Alabama, we've also got you know places like Pickwick and Wilson that have smallmouth. But you know going up north is always a great time just because the places up there don't get as much pressure as the places down here. You know you got hundreds of boats on the water um, every weekend down here fishing for bass and you go up there and you'll see a few boats at the boat ramp fishing for bass mostly they're just walleye guys and stuff up there so you really you know it's a lot of fun to go up there and I went up there a few times last summer and kind of got a feel for the smallmouth Uh, my fishing partner at Auburn Logan he's been he's fished for smallmouth a little bit so we've kind of over the over the last year and two year or two we've uh, you know kind of notch down what what to look for when we go up to those smallmouth lakes so um yeah it's a lot of fun and you know when you get a bite up there it's usually a good one you usually don't catch a lot of babies up north so i always like going up there man a lot of fun great experience for you guys for sure and and uh man just congratulations to the whole team i know y'all y'all ended up having a great year yes and sir thank look, you looking forward to another one it sounds like y'all fixing to kick off the fall season so good luck on that well, let's talk about man, you. let's talk about Alabama fishing. I know you you still between all all your traveling fishing, you still get to do a good bit of fishing on our lakes. And uh, I think you said you've been fishing uh, on the Coosa on the Jordan lately, right? I have. That hurricane was really not good for you know it 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 caused a lot of destruction for the country, but it really made the fishing insane for those few days that we before the hurricane was hitting and while it was hitting. Those were some of the best days I've really seen all summer fishing around here. You know, the wa- the weather kind of cooled off, the pressure dropped a lot, and the fish were just really biting. I went to Jordan, and, you know, the fish were just biting really good up shallow. They were biting really well in the grass, swim jig and flipping. The summer's been really hot, so, you know, it's been a tough bite to get them to bite in the grass, honestly. Whenever that hurricane was hitting, it was it was really like all the fish pushed up shallow to feed before that storm was hitting, and it was a really fun few days. And I also got on some schooling fish too with swim baits and stuff like that, and that was also fun. But you know, I also went to Harding uh, on those few days, and Harding's generally a tough lake. It's about thirty minutes away from Auburn. It's generally a tough lake. You don't catch many fish out there when you go. But I'm telling you, man, when Whenever that hurricane was about to come through, I've never seen so many fish bite at that place. I mean, it was it was just unreal. Just going down the bank, you could catch. I think we caught probably 40, 40 fish that day, and it was wow. it was just unreal. So, yeah, do I mean, you think that is? I mean, I know things cooled off a little bit, so there was a little change in temperature. But do you think it's more of that, or do you think it was the pressure? And you know, to back that question up, is pressure something that you guys? look at and think about well no matter where we're fishing we can't really you know the pressure is going to be what it is but i would say that the pressure definitely helped when that hurricane was coming through that storm it lowers the pressure and it it really triggers those fish to bite you know i i don't really look at the pressure that much but i definitely could tell it was a difference when i fished out there and you know with this cooler weather like you were saying the 60 degree nights i think it's really going to just turn those fish on and it's going to be getting better and better because you know, the last couple of weeks, I've been catching a lot of fish that are really long and skinny, and I'm ready for those fish to fatten up and be some four and five pounders because, you know, they've got the the frame to be That's some really right. good fish, and they're just really skinny right now. So 
we need that cooler weather to come in and them to start feeding up on bait and getting big. Absolutely. Well, you know, and, and I, with fishing, we don't, we don't hear people on the show talk about pressure very often, and I'm not sure why. Uh, maybe it's not as important. I know with deer hunting, and I mean, we were right here on the verge of deer season coming up, and both season will be starting mm-hmm. next month, so I know I'm looking forward to that myself. But pressure is something that I pay absolute attention to when I'm hunting. I mean, it is. it, mm-hmm. it may be one of the number one factors that I look at. Yeah, I've been fortunate to be around some guys like, you know, Drury Outdoor guys, uh, Mark Drury and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, Waddell and some of those. And they don't go yeah. hunting. They, they, they don't even go. They're like, we don't care how the, how, what the wind's doing, how cold it is. I mean, the rut, yeah, it changes things a little bit. But the number one thing we're looking for is the pressure. And when we see that pressure wow. rise to, you know, over 30, up to 31, that wow. high pressure, the deer are going to move. I, and I know this is a fishing show, so we're going to go off on a tangent here. But I was, up in, <laughs> uh, I was up in Arkansas deer hunting with a buddy of mine at a place that's just covered up. And I was hunting on a big soybean field. I was bow hunting in a corner in a cut field. And he said, now, Brian, you're going to see – 50 to 60 deer this afternoon and you're going to see 15 to 20 bucks. And then he started telling me about all these, you know, now if you see the big eight, don't shoot him. If you see this one, Mm -hmm. shoot him. And I'm sitting here going, I'm like, man, this is going to be an absolutely fantastic day. And he said, I'm going to, I'm going to go sit in this other field on the other side of the property. We will see a pile of man. We did not see. I came back to the truck. He's like, man, how many did you see? I said, I ain't see any. He said, man, I didn't see no. any deer either. You got to be kidding me. And so we looked no. and it was a lower pressure and neither one of us saw a deer. And that night a front came through a high pressure that the pressure started rising and went back up above 30. And the next day we were in the same fields. Temperature didn't change drastically. But it, the deer, I mean, at two o'clock, deer were coming in the field. It was in, no it was, the, yes, sir. It was one of the most craziest things I've ever seen. And, and Mark wow. Drury, Mark Drury with Drury Outdoors has told me, he said, Brian, I literally, until the pressure gets where I want it, I don't go hunting. He said, I, I, everybody wow. sees me kill these giant deer on video every year. He said, mm-hmm. what they don't realize is I may have not have hunted, but four days the entire year. But I hunt the days that I know what the deer are going to do, and I go kill a big deer. Crazy. Now you're giving all the secrets away, man. I know, right? <laughs> I'm, hey, that's what we do. That's what we do on this show. I just got on a, I got on a uh, deer hunting tangent, so I apologize to our fishing <laughs> listeners that might not deer hunt. But anyway, I, I did not. I, I, I thought it was – I've always been curious of, of how you guys thought the pressure affected oh, yeah, the that's, fish. That's very interesting. I mean, I think – it's kind of like the opposite, I think, for fishing. Like when there's a lower pressure, I think the fishing's better than when a higher pressure is there. But that, I think it definitely has something to do with it. And I think that people don't really realize that, you know, I'm going to go fishing every chance I get, no matter what the pressure is. So I'm not, I don't really look at it as much. That's why I don't really look at it, you know, as much as I, as much as I could. But I, I definitely think it affects the fish, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it does. I've always heard that, but I didn't really know how it affected them anyway. So right now, this time of year on on the coast, I mean, how are you going to, how do you structure your day? I mean, kind of, what are you thinking when you hit the water, what you got tied on kind of walk me through that. The way I'm looking at it, if depends on the day, if you've got a cloudy day, um, you've got some rain or something coming in, I'm going to be focusing on a shallow bite. So most of the time, if I go to a grass lake, let's say Jordan, and it's cloudy, I'm going to have me a swim jig tied on. I'm going to have a frog tied on. I'm going to have a spinnerbait tied on, stuff like that. You know, when when it's cloudy and this time of year, I feel like a lot of fish push up shallow because of how hot it's been. You know, they, they want to be shaded. They don't really want to be super active when it's very hot and bright sun. So whenever they get a chance of cloudy, and uh, a little bit of wind and stuff like that, they're going to, they're going to ambush up shallow. So those are, those seem to be the best days, maybe a little bit of top water too. I'll have like a buzz bait or something tied on book maybe. But you know, when you get those bright sunny days, top water and stuff like that's always good in the morning for the first hour or so till that sun peaks out. Then I start looking for uh, brush piles, um, schools of fish, depending on the current being on and flipping docks and stuff like that and even flipping grass mats um places where they can shade their eyes from the sun but you know docks especially that's that's a go-to especially when the sun's up flipping a jig or something like that it's always good but you know that's that's kind of the way i approach it yeah this this color how do you decide what color to fish with like on your swim jigs and stuff does it matter does it do you is it watercolor, sunny day, cloudy day type thing? It's definitely a little bit of everything. I would say watercolor for sure. You know, if it's going to be, if it's muddy chocolate milk, I'm going to have a black and blue tied on. You know, if it's cloudy, most of the time I'll have a white tied on, especially if they're feeding on bait. And if it's, if it's you know, a little bit sunny, partly cloudy, you got some sun in there, the water's a little bit clear, I'm going to have a green pumpkin tied on to look, you know, the most natural I can, like a bluegill. And just depending on, you know, how many bites you get. If you pick up a, sometimes it'll be completely the opposite of what you think. You start swimming a white jig when it's cloudy and you're like, oh, you know, I'm going to catch him on this thing. And you don't get a bite and you switch over to a black and blue when it's cloudy and you start getting, you know, 15, 20 bites, you know, you just yeah. kind of have to play with it and see what they're wanting um, that day. Some days they'll be completely different than what you think. You know, it's, it's fishing, man. They're, they're, they're always changing their minds and they're always moving. They're always doing what they want to do. You can't, you can't ever, whenever you, you know, make the right decisions and pinpoint them, that's the day you're going to win. But and it's, it's really hard to do that. Yeah. It's a chess match for sure. It is. Yeah. What days like this time of year, you mentioned fishing top water uh, early in the morning, this time of year, is it, do you want wind when you're fishing the top water more or, or is that early morning when the water's real calm and still, is that, is that still okay? I would say it's fine. If it's, if it's, uh, still or windy, windy helps a little bit. It just, you know, it disperses the top of the water, disrupts it. So they don't get as good of a look at it. So windy days, mornings, a little bit of chop on the water seems to be the best. You know, if it's calm, you can still catch them on top water. Um, you just kind of have to be a little bit more, a little bit more quiet with your approach and not just go buzzing across the bank. You just kind of have to slow down a little bit, but when it's windy and, uh, you know, there's a good chop on the water, I like covering as much water as I can for those first few hours of the day. 
our first hour or two of the yeah. day, cover as much water as I can, you know, to catch as many fish as possible. Good stuff, man. Well, look, I, you know, before I uh, let you get out of here, you know, I got to get a tip of the day from you. And uh, so if somebody's coming down this weekend, going to fish the Coosa, Tallapoosa, what would your tip of the day be for this weekend? We know we got a little cooler nights coming, got some uh, great fishing weather. So if you were going this weekend, what would, how would you do it, man? What would your tip be? I would say if you want to have some fun, I know it's pretty hard, but you need to get up as early as you can, put you on the top water and get out on the water and hit as many places as you can. And uh, I, I promise you, you'll get some bites and, uh, you know, you'll probably catch some big ones too. Just cover as much water as you can early in the morning and have your favorite top water tied on and uh, go catch some fish. Good stuff, Tucker, man. We appreciate it, buddy. Love having you on here and uh, you do a great job on these reports and man, good luck to you the next couple of weeks and look forward to having you back on soon brother yes sir thank you for uh giving me this opportunity again absolutely man war eagle war eagle <laughs> all right buddy take care all right guys that's right, gonna we'll be it for segment number one let's take a quick break and hear from one of this week's sponsors the hunting exchange in this day and age we all know it's a struggle to sell hunting equipment on large social media platforms and that's where the hunting exchange steps in Hunting Exchange is an app for iOS and Android that gives you a one-stop shop to buy and sell your hunting gear. Whether you're looking to sell your bow, broadheads, technical apparel, stands, saddles, or anything in between, this secure platform allows you to buy and sell gear with confidence. As a buyer, each dollar you spend is insured by PayPal, and as a seller, there are no hidden charges like other platforms, and listing items are also free. Gone are the days of having listings removed from Facebook and worrying about being banned and removed from groups for wanting to sell something as simple as your bow or a knife. So head on over to the App Store or Google Play and experience a new hassle-free way to buy and sell hunting gear by downloading the Hunting Exchange app today. Welcome back, guys. Awesome segment from Hunter. Love having those college guys on, but uh, segment two. I love having this guy on because he catches crappie. He catches them often, and they're big. And he's sending me pictures right now. And y'all wouldn't believe these pictures these fish this man catches. Tony Adams, what's going on, my friend? Man, just work, work, work. You just like to see that old tip of that rod bend over and like to bring them on in and sling them in the boat. Well, by the looks of these pictures, it's been bending over a lot. <laughs> yes, sir. Fish, I mean, the fishing's been good, really good in the mornings. We've kind of had some hot weather. You know, like I say, you get out there at daybreak, you know, usually around 1030. You, you've got your limit, and you're ready to come on back to the bank. But usually by 1030, it's so hot, you can't hardly stand it anymore anyways. But it looks like we've got some cooler, cooler days and cooler nights coming, which has got to be a plus. Yeah, man, no doubt. And it is. I, You know, I, I think about you guys out there that, doing the guiding i mean it's a lot of work that y'all put into it a lot of time you put into it but then july and august man when you going out and sitting on uh fishing for in the middle of the day you know all through the morning up to the middle of the day if you had to sitting on uh sitting on top of a brush pile that could get hot in a hurry it, uh, it does you know and a lot of times what i do is you can buy these uh little things you put in your little ice cooler and cool it off and wrap it around your you know your neck yeah and, and you know those helps a whole lot when it's really hot and you know 
you just need a little cool down. Just reach down to the cooler, squeeze that water out, throw it around your neck. You know, spirits. Kind of like you talking about that spirits of ammonia? Uh, yeah. Well, you know, some people use that, but this here is just a little uh, old cooling rags. Mm-hmm. You know, just you buy it in the. You know, it's usually in a little bitty clear bottle, and you pull it out, and it's kind of like a a towel in a way, and you just take it and soak it in the water, and you know, let it get cold, squeeze it out, and throw it around your neck. It'll help. Um, that's for sure. Well, hopefully you ain't going to have to worry about that much longer, man. It looks like the temperatures are fixing to drop a little bit and uh, humidity's going down some. So uh, that's uh, <laughs> you're probably looking forward to that. But it looks like you're still catching the crap out of them, man. You can't get another. I mean, guys, the pictures I'm looking at that he's sending me, it ain't one. It's a bunch of them. But the, they on the tailgate of his truck stack three deep across the tailgate, and you can't get another one on there. And they're big. I mean, is it you catching these fish pretty quick? You're saying, right? I mean, you're off the water by 1030. Yes, sir. And in most cases, you're off by 1030. You know, usually we try to get out at, at daybreak. You know, we try to leave the boat landing at daybreak. We go ahead and we get to our structure. Uh, the way we've been catching them, you know, is usually we'll get out there in the mornings. And what we'll do is we'll fish some shallow structure and when i'm talking about shallow structure i'm talking about eight to 12 foot deep and um you know a lot of those fish during the night has has started running in the flats you know chasing shad you know they pulled off the structure and you know kind of you know getting out searching for the for their you know the the shad the bait and and then you find them in those flats or on those those uh fingers that's off the flats and um you know, usually they're they're there and they're hungry, and then after it starts getting a little warmer, you know, about nine thirty, you'll kind of pull off some of those and you'll start going to your little deeper water, your fifteen to you know twenty five foot waters, and you know you'll catch some on you know on, in that deeper water. By then, you know, the suns came up and they're looking for that that brush pile that you know they can get out of that sun and just uh, you know, and then from there you can just drop your minute down in there or. You know, if you're fishing a, a jig, you know, just take your jig and just slowly, you know, move it, just twitch it or, or either drag it. A lot of times I'll take mine and I'll just drag it just real slow, maybe not but two or three inches at a time. And, you know, they'll they'll come up there and, and attack it. Do you have to, do you slow things down? It sounds like I'm what I'm hearing. The summertime and the hot like this, water temperatures up, do you, do you find it? It, it helps to slow the slow it down a lot like that, and you have to keep it in front of them and kind of almost force them to bite it maybe a little bit. That's right. In, in, in the summertime, in the morning is not quite that bad, but usually when that sun starts coming up and it gets a little hotter, you've almost got to put it right in front of their face. And I use a usually a smaller bait, you know, if it's a smaller jig or if it's a smaller minnow. You know, if I'm jig fishing, I will slow the 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 movement down. You know. To very little you know you talk about moving your rod you know four inches i mean you're not moving it much at all and then if i drag it you know i may not drag it but two or three four inches at a time and then i pause it and then just you know drag it which is pulling side by side to side instead of up and down and um during the summertime it's kind of like a winter bite here on lake you fall it's you've got to put it right in front of their face and you've got to slow it down for them to to hit it and, and, you know, I guess that's where uh, the, the electronics are, are valuable, too, because 
you know, if you didn't have the electronics and you weren't looking at the fish, you know, you may go through there a little hot, a little faster than they want it. And you may make a couple passes through it or drop, you know, and go, well, they, they ain't no fish here. Let's go to the next spot. And uh, you may do that all day and just be like, well, they just ain't biting. Where with, with your electronics, I mean, you're looking at the fish, you know, they're there and it's just, okay, what do I got to do to get them to bite? That's right. And then, you know, there is times, you know, even myself, I'll pull up on a hole and the fish is there and you, you can't beg for a bite, you know I mean? But, you know, most cases, you always get two or three, four, you know, off of every, you know, off the spot, even if they're not wanting to bite just because you put it there in the face. Right. Um, and then like I say, the morning bites has been good all summer long. And then, um, you know, the bite does slow down, you know, around 10, 30, you know, 10, 10, 30, it, it starts getting, you know, slow where you really have to have to move that bait really slow or, or drag it really slow to, to make them come, come out of that, that shade or that structure to to eat. So when will the what does the water temperature now? We talk about cooler nights. You know, they talk about it getting down in the mid sixties, maybe even low sixties in some places in Alabama. What does that water temperature kind of need to get down to uh, before they get, I guess, more active? You know, and I paid attention to it, but I, I don't remember that number. What I usually like to do the end of September. Usually it's about the third, fourth week of, of college football is usually a, a, the time that we start catching them back on the shallow structures. You know, and, and you know, if I had, you know, like I say, the water temperature ranges so, so much. I mean, two weeks ago, it was 92. Just the other day, you know, I went out there and it was 85, you know, but, you know, I like to see it, you know, in the 75, you know, to 80 degree range. That seems like when the bites really starts picking up is when that water temperature, you know, gets in that range, they start really moving back up into the to the shallow water, you know. And then you can also, the end of September, you, if you really pay attention on Lake Eufaula, a lot of those flats, you'll start seeing the birds start diving, you know, in the mornings, late in the afternoons. The shad is also running in that shallow water. And, you know, that's a good sign of when, when the crappie is really hot and heavy and, and, and has, has moved out of that deeper water, you know, back in that shallow water, when you start seeing, you know, those birds start diving, you know, and what that is, is, you know, a lot of times it's your stripes or your hybrids, you know, chasing those shad up on those sandbars, you know, and, and eating them. But that's a good time that I always look for too. When I start seeing them, then I know that the water temperature is where it needs to be. And those crappie has, have started moving up in the shallow water. I got you. That's, that's, that's good. Well, it, you know, like right now with, with the fish wanting it slower, maybe less aggressive and, and they may stay on that for the next week or two. And, and then the water temperature get on down and they move up, get a little more aggressive. But right now, does it, uh, I mean, I know you fish with both you, you, you fish with artificial and you, you know, jigs and, and you fish with, with shiners. Does one outproduce the other when the fish are slow? Not really. I think it's all, uh, you know, your IHO jigs, you know, IHO jigs has got the bait that goes in, into the eyes, you know, with, which puts scent in the water, which, you know, helps the fish bite. It helps and entice the fish to bite because you do have a, t- a scent that there. Now explain that to me because I've never seen one. So you're, 
you said you the line explain that to me the, the yeah the aho jig is just like a regular jig head but in the eye where the eyes are on a regular jig mm-hmm. you know it could be blue or yellow or red green whatever instead of eyes it it's like you punch the eyes out and it's got a little hole on both sides of the 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 jig head so you take your your bait and you push the bait into the eye well that bait stays into the eye of the jig head causing it to put sin in the water you know like crappy niblets you know where you take and put your jig on and you take your, take your crappy niblet and you put hook the niblet onto your hook but this these jigs are designed so you take that same crappy niblet and you push it into the eye and the eye holds the bait so that the smell stays there and you can make a whole lot more cast with the same niblet that's in the eye because it don't fall off as fast as if it was on the hook. And what I'll do is I'll send you a picture of them, you know, so that but it's, it's called, you know, eye hole jigs. And okay. like I say, you know, the, the eyes is just hollow so that you can take your, you know, crappy niblets or whatever, you know, niblets right. you're using to, to push down into the eye, you know, to hold the scent. That makes sense. That makes sense. I and, like you know, it. You like to say that, and you know, like to say that's that helps a lot when the bite's slow because you are also getting you know your jig head, your color, your your jig, whatever color you use is based on what you know color they really want in that day, and then you're also getting the smell in the water of a scent trail, you know, so it one enhance them to bite a little better. Very cool. I like the sound of that. Well, and obviously it works. Man, that's that's good stuff. Um, so you going? Uh, I understand. You said you're going to 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 put some more structure out today. I know that's something that you do a lot, and it works out. Yes, yeah, sir. Today we're going to be you know putting out some 16 foot cedar trees, and we'll have concrete you know tied to the cedar trees. So we'll go out there, and you know we've already got our spots you know already marked where we're going to put structure out for this coming year. So. As we get breaks in that, you know, in the afternoons, we'll start going out there, you know, and start putting it out. And, you know, from here to, you know, mid-February is a good time to put it out because there's a lot less boats on the on the water because you've got football practice going on, football right. games going on. You've got deer hunters is getting ready to get back in the woods. So you don't have as much boat traffic this time of the year. So that way, not everybody's not seeing where you put it. That's right. So now, sixteen foot tree—that's a—that's a pretty good size cedar. Yes, sir. Are you? Do you weight both ends of it? Do you just weight one end of it? Where and does it stand or? or we weight it from the top to the bottom, so it lays flat. Okay. Because you know the biggest thing about putting structure out one is you know safety. You know you want to make sure you put it in somewhere so somebody's tubing or jet right. skiing or whatever is not going to fall off and get hurt. So, in, in this, you know, we'll we'll lay it flat. Um, you know, we'll put it, you know, in 15, 20 foot waters based on how big that diameter of that, that cedar tree is. So, you know, if it's four foot tall, you know, if you put it in 15 foot waters, I mean, it's 11 foot from from the top of the water to the tree. Well, if you're on a tube or jet ski, you're not going to go 11 foot down. Right. You know, so so we we lay them flat. And, you know, we really like to find places that's already got structure there. That could be 
old stump or it could be a old blown down tree from you know when they back the back the lake up so some of those places has already got some fish on it but over a period of time some of that you know rots or right you know, deteriorate so we try to add stuff back to those locations so that you know it is a habitat for the fish to come to and you know and get on which you know bass and crappy and you know catfish and everything else kill sure. it but you know, those crappy really, really likes it. Yeah, they love it. There ain't no doubt about that. Well, I'm going to let you jump off here and, and go do your thing. But uh, before I do, you know, I got to get a tip of the day from you. So somebody's coming to you follow this weekend. What's your tip? Well, I, you know, I'd say, you know, make sure that, you know, you're working that bait really slow. You know, don't get in a hurry. You know, take your time. You may want to work it by just dragging it or you may want to lift it up, let it fall back in place, let it pause for a minute. You know, you may want to do a combination of, of dragging it, you know, lifting it up just like horizontal and vertical fishing, you know, but do it very slow. Good stuff, man. Keep it slow for right now. The water temperature will get, get a little cooler here before long and uh, things will speed up a little bit, but right now it's still a slow go, but the fish can definitely be caught. Hey, if somebody wants to come jump in the boat with you, Tony, and guys, I highly advise that you do it because you're going to learn a lot and you're going to dang sure catch a bunch of slabs. Uh, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, best thing to do is they can call me. It's Tony Adams at 334-695-3003. Tony Adams, 334-695-3003. Or you can look, him, look me up on Facebook. It's under Tony Adams. Like you follow, so you, you shouldn't have any problems finding me. Good stuff, man. Tony, be safe out there, man. Appreciate you and love having you on and look forward to having you back on soon, my friend. Yes, sir. Y'all have a good one. All right, man. Take care. All right. Thank you. Yep. All right, guys. That was another awesome report, and it was brought to you by SunSouth from Outdoors Equipment, Parts, Services, Accessories. SunSouth has you covered. On the best for less, visit SunSouth or SunSouth.com for quality John Deere equipment. SunSouth, for those that do. Welcome back to the show, guys. Uh, that was another great segment with, with Tony. And, and, man, I tell you what, this, this guy, he catches crappie like I ain't ever seen, man. I mean, if you, if you want to learn how to catch some crappie and, and go to Ufaula and, and, and enjoy yourself and, and learn something and catch a pile of fish, you're going to catch a limit. So uh, reach out there to Tony and give him a call. But let's move on to segment three. Let's go up north to the other end of the state from Eufaula. And uh, with Brent Crow from Pickwick. What's going on, buddy? Not much. How are you? I'm doing good, man. You've been a, you've been a road warrior lately of what I understand. You've been all over. <laughs> yeah, I just got back from the uh, Toyota Series at St. Lawrence River. I'm trying to make the championship at Pickwick. That's and I wasn't able to fish the the, uh, the division around here, so I wound up having to go to the fish the northern to make the the championship. And I tell you what, I just came from smallmouth heaven at the St. Lawrence River. It is an <laughs> unbelievable place. I can't wait to go back. And oh, it's just it's an awesome place. Well, did you did you make it? Did you qualify for Pickwick? I fish sixth in this one. There's one more tournament at the Potomac River next week. So I'm in 27th. They take the top 25. I didn't have a good tournament at Champlain and then bounced back at St. Lawrence. And now all I need to do is just, I mean, like I said, 27th. And I got to be in the top 25. So if I catch a few at the Potomac, I should be good. And 
that qualifies me for the the championship at Pickwick in late October for two hundred fifty thousand first place. So. Man, how awesome would that be to have that opportunity <laughs> on your home lake? I mean, good yeah. gracious. I did make all that driving that I've done and fixing to do to New York and, and Washington it worth it. I can promise you that. I mean, I feel like in the fall at Pickwick, the last, you know, the last three years seems like I'm there every day. I mean, I do a few trips at Smith in the fall, but for the most part, I'm at Pickwick every day from now until December, mid-December. So I, I feel like that I'll have you, a chance. You'll have a chance. That's for sure. <laughs> well, you know, it was really interesting because we, on our first segment today, we had a uh, Tucker Smith with Auburn fishing team on and they were, he was talking about, them going up on the St. Lawrence River and fishing. And, and he said something that kind of blew my mind a little bit. He, he was saying, Brian, it's just there's not near the fishing pressure up there that it is down here. And I'll be honest with you, I would have thought it would have been the other way around because there's such, there's such a big population of people up there uh, compared to down here. But it, did you kind of see the same thing as far as not as many boats on the water? Well, first of all, the place is massive. I mean, it is. I ran uh, seventy miles one way to, to where I fished in the tournament, and there were people running all the way to Lake Ontario, which is another twenty or twenty-five miles. So, Goodness. and you can catch fish from. I mean, you could. There were people that made the top ten without leaving side of the ramp, basically. So, you know, the whole lake is just full of fish. I told somebody, you know, if there's a hundred thousand smallmouth in Pickwick, there's ten million up there. And boat, I mean, you know, the locals actually, you know, Syracuse is, is the biggest or the closest big place. It's like an hour and a half or an hour and 15 minutes. But other than that, I mean, on the river itself, there's nothing. I mean, just a bunch of little towns. And, and you know, you've got so many people up there that fish for small or for muskie and walleye and perch and whatever. So it's not and even salmon. So, you know, it's like here, everybody bass fishes. That's not, that's not the way it is up there at all. You know, and, and that's really interesting. And you're right. They got so much, they got a lot of other things they can fish for up there. But when you're, you, you brought up a question that I've always wanted to ask somebody that, that that's a professional fisherman like yourself is, you know, when you go to somewhere way off like that, I mean, you know, you may have fished it before, but it ain't like, you don't know it like, you know, Pickwick, obviously, and some of the Alabama lakes. But what makes you look at that map and go, okay, I'm going to run 70 miles upriver? You know, I, I, this was my first time up there, and I, but I talked to a couple of people who have been before just to get general stuff. And the reason I, I wound up and fished where I did was because, that was the first place I went when I, when I started and in practice and I wound up, I just happened to be the right place for me anyway. And mm -hmm. so I caught him up there and the first day I was there. And then I slowly, I thought, okay, well, I'm not going any further than this. And I fished my way back to the ramps in the, in my remaining practice. And I, you know, I had some places between the, the, where I started and where, where we took off from, but my main, the main area I fished was, was 70 miles and it just happened to be, uh, you know, there was, there was a couple things. First of all, it was a long way away. So there weren't that many people up there in our term. And also it was on the Canadian side of the river, which only opened to us people on August the 9th. So, the, you know, for the most part, the Canadian side didn't have any pressure mm. or hadn't been getting any, especially any tournament pressure. But, you know, yeah, you know, I saw, where I went, it was you know a pretty big area, and I saw like four boats in, in the two the first two days up there, 
and, and like I said, there were people that went to Ontario. I mean, top three in the in the tournament were on Lake Ontario fishing like two hours. I mean, that's just unbelievable what they did. And but like I said, it is just a it's an amazing place. You could have, I mean, there were people that made the top ten without running twenty miles. So, but yeah, it's what what really helped me actually was learning how to fish the current in Pickwick. I mean, I basically did applied the same stuff up there that I've been doing at Pickwick all these years. It's just you fish with smaller baits and deeper deeper water and, and lighter line, but it's the same thing with current breaks and eddies and whatever. And I, that was the big, that was the biggest reason that I, I was able to do well. It's just, like I said, I just did what I do here, just deeper and with smaller stuff. That's it's really interesting. And, and just to, so let's bring it, you know, if we bring that back home to Pickwick and, you know, if I'm a guy who, who is not that familiar with Pickwick, but I want to come up there and I want to learn a lake and, and, and fish it. When you're going off somewhere fishing, I mean, are you pulling up the topo map, the map of the lake, and going, okay, I like these this area because of this, and, and so I'm on. How does somebody define what they're, if, if it's a new lake to them, whether it's Pickwick or, or Gunnerful or Eufaula or the St. Lawrence River, what, do you, what are you looking for on that map to go, okay, I want to go fish this area? And I guess it goes back to, that's a very broad question, and I apologize, I know, because it depends on the time of year, the water temperature, pre-spawn, post-spawn, all that kind of stuff. But for this time of the year, what would you, what would you look for on Pickwick? Well, in Pickwick, it, you know, obviously it's it's different than, than up there. But anywhere I go, the first thing I do is, is I try to look at the map and I try to catch fish or find fish with my map. I hate trying to fish those lakes that are super shallow. you got to find them casting. That's not that's really not what I like to do. But you know, on the map, you're looking, you know, the most important thing is where are they at as far as the spawn goes. Obviously, you know, this time of year they they finish spawning, so it's not as important to be around spawning bays and pockets and flats and so forth. But you know, you can always that's always where I try to start is is find out, figure out where they're spawning, and then how far have they gotten away from that. And each lake's different. I mean, if there's grass, you you're looking for where the grass is, and you know, I, I like to. I like fish deep, so I'm always looking for depth changes and, and drops and ledges and stuff like that. And, you know, that's kind of what I did up there. I mean, it's not ledges, but it was still, you know, there's a, there's, they call it a thousand islands for a reason. There, there are a thousand islands that are out of the water and there's 5,000 underwater. So, you know, tons and tons of humps and stuff. And, and, you know, I just, I mean, basically, I, what I did up there was look for the right the humps that came up to the right depth, which are not necessarily the top of them, but I, I caught most fish in 35 feet. So I looked for places that were kind of flat on the, on the humps that were 35 feet deep. And just, you know, I used my live scope from there to, to see what was out there, boulders, fish, whatever. That's, that's very interesting, man. I've always, I've always kind of wondered how you guys dissect a map. The thing, what you do, what I, I do is is once you get a bite or two, then that kind of clues you in, and you're like, okay, so they're on this. Let me look at the map, see if there's something else like this close, and then you know, and it's trial and error. I mean, if you if you stumble across the right thing early, then you can repeat it all over the lake, and and then that's when you have a good tournament. So. Yeah. 
Well, good stuff, man. Well, hey, you know, so let's, you know, as far as Pickwick goes right now, I know you're still catching fish there. So, you know, what are the fish doing there right now? How are you catching them? Well, the, we had all that rain here. And so, the you know, most times this time of year, you have no current. And the current's always a big deal at Pickwick. But there's, and also there's usually a lot more grass on Pickwick than there is right now. But I don't know if TPA sprayed it or what, but the grass is, is it's kind of scar. It's kind of sparse right now. It's scarce, but largemouth have been. You catch largemouth in the grass, and then you know most of the fishing I do in the fall either is either top water, whether it's around grass for largemouth or rocks for smallmouth, and then I do a lot of live bait fishing, and and I'll catch them on live bait anywhere from five to twenty feet deep, mostly. You know, and that's all current breaks and stuff like that, and you know I, I know a lot of people probably oh I don't want to go live bait fishing, but when you when you catch one every time you drop a minute down, you know it's not always smallmouth. We catch big spots, catch largemouth, catch everything: catfish, sauger, stripe. I mean, you know it, it's fun. And but it, and I have always the most people drift, and and a lot of people at St. Lawrence just drift to the net. But I don't do much drifting, and it and it has really really helped me as far as learning how fish position and current, and and it's always different if they're if they're running. 15,000 CFS, they're here. And then if it's 45,000, they moved over a little bit. They may move up more into the front of the place. And then it's 80,000 CFS, the same little area, same point or whatever. The fish are in different places. I mean, you know, like I said, it has really, really helped my fishing as far as current goes, understanding how fish position. And like I said, I think that was a big key to what I was able to do up there. And, and I've used it all over the place. And I think if I make the championship, it's going to really help me this fall, too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, speaking of the live bait, smallmouth fishing, I know that this is the time of year that, that people do yep. that. And we hear about that. And, and it, you know, September, October is when it seems to be the best from what I hear. Why Why is it just a fall why is live bait for smallmouth just, is it, why does it just seem to be a fall time to do that? You know, why, why don't we do well, that? The, the main reason is for uh, up here is, is we catch our own bait and it's like in the summertime, it's hard to do. So in the fall, it's not, a, I mean, usually not a problem. There are days where it takes a little while, but I can always catch bait in the fall. No problem. And the fish, I mean, if you put a live minute in front of a fish in July, he's going to bite it. It's just catching bait and it's so hot and whatever, but you know, you can use shiners or whatever. But the, the thing about it is in the summertime, if you know where fish are, you can usually catch them on artificial stuff. And obviously in the spring you can, in the fall, it's tough. I mean, it just is up here and you know, you out live bait will outfish artificials any day of the of the yeah. week, any day of the month from September until December. I mean, it's that's just the way it is. And I mean, it's you know when it's actually it starts in September, and I think it actually peaks late November, early December is for is actually the best time up here. And I mean, there are days where you'll catch it's no problem to catch twenty pounds of smallmouth, twenty five pounds of smallmouth when uh, when the when the current's right and everything else, like November, and the numbers are just un- unbelievable too. I mean, it's so much fun. Man, that sounds I mean, like a lot of fun. <laughs> you're you're reeling something in every. I mean, with every minnow for the most part, and it seems like the later it gets, the more the ratio turns to smallmouth. You quit catching this mini drum and catfish and all that, the later it gets. 
but right. it, yeah, it's yeah. just constantly something though. Like every that's, that's oh, exci- it, that sounds exciting. Yeah, and then you know I have two people with me, and then there'll be doubles and triples all day long. I mean, it's I mean, it is a lot of fun. It's a lot of it's catching. It's not fishing with live. <laughs> yeah, you catch it. How big of the bait is the is the bait you're using? I catch. You know, the smallest ones are like three inch gizzards. We use gizzards or thread thins. And, you know, most of the time, if you can get four, four and a half inch thread thin, that's the best. But I, you know, six, they, they bite six and seven inch gizzards yet, too. Sometimes it's a little hard to hook them because the bait's so big. But I mean, it, and I'll catch. It's amazing what you can catch with six, seven inch gizzards yet. I mean, 13 inch spots bite them, 12 inch spots, small mouth, 12 inch large mouth. I mean, it's unreal how 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 they'll bite big bait. It's hard to catch a day's worth of of those of the of gizzards that are that big. You know, a lot of times I can make one throw with a cast net and catch all I need four inch thread thin, but to catch bigger ones it takes a while. But I mean, it's they bite everything for the most part. It, it, whatever you got, they'll bite it if you they'll put it in it. front of them. And that, and that's the you know that's one thing I really learned more than anything. You have to figure out the way to get your bait in front of them. The more current there is, the harder it is. It, it don't make it. It makes doesn't make them bite any any more or less. It's just bait presentation. You just have to figure out where to where to throw, how much weight to get it in front of. Because if you get it in front of them, they bite it. That's what I was sitting here thinking in my mind. I'm trying to picture picture your setup, but throwing a pretty good sized weight. I mean, do you want that weight <laughs> light enough to where it still skips along the bottom, or are you wanting it to sit and stop? No, you. I use eight pound test with a split shot on spinning rod, and the more current, the more weight. But you don't definitely don't want to have too much because then you stay hung all the time. It's just a you know you got to find that right, the happy medium where you where it gets down but don't stay hung. You know most of the time one number three or four. I use three number three, number four, number five split shot. Just like I said, depends on how much current. Yeah. Man, that's awesome. Yeah, I, I I need to get up there and do that this year. I've never done the live bait thing, and uh, I, I need to I need to give out a try for sure. Well, man, that's, let me that, know. Yeah, absolutely, man. When you get well, ready to come, I'll have to hook up with you. That's for sure. Man, I I appreciate you taking the time to get on today. Uh, but before I let you get off, you know I got to get a tip of the day from you. If somebody's gonna come up to Pickwick this weekend. So this weekend, I would concentrate on throwing a topwater, whether it be a frog, a spook, whatever. There's a lot of fish being caught on top right now, and if you can find some grass, you can throw a frog or or a uh, like a, a a toad, either one. But that would that would be what I would be doing, especially all morning long, is throwing topwater up there. Good stuff, man. Hey, topwater, that's a good. I, I people like hearing that tip because people love fishing topwater. So. That's awesome, Brent, man. Hey, if somebody wants to book a trip with you and come do this live bait fishing this fall, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Just call me, 256-466-9965. Y'all give Brent a call, and, uh, man, I I promise you ain't going to regret it from what he's talking about with this live bait, smallmouth fishing. It sounds like a world of fun, man, and catch a lot of fish. (laughs) So, hey, good luck to you in in a couple of weeks back up in – and in, in, uh, where'd you say you was going? On going the, to the Potomac River Potomac. next week. Good deal, man. Yep. Well, good luck to you. Go up there and knock that thing out, get in that top 20, top 25, so you can have a chance at that big money on Pickwick. That's what I plan on doing. I appreciate it. All right, man. We appreciate you. Be safe, right. and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you. 
All right, guys, that's going to wrap up another great segment. Y'all take just a minute and check out some of the businesses that keep this show free to you. Bucks Island Marina. At BucksIslands.com, you can check out the full list of inventory from new and used bass, pontoon, bow rider style boats, new and used motors, as well as kayaks for sale. They love trade-ins, which provide a steady stream of used boats. They can rig your boat at their 18 Bay Service Department or ship your new motor anywhere in the United States. They provide boat service on all kinds of boats, even if they weren't purchased from Brooks Island. They have factory trained and certified technicians, so visit them at 4500 Highway 77, Southside, Alabama, 35907, or give them a call at 256-442-2588. All right, folks, that's going to wrap it up for this week. If you're enjoying the podcast, as always, please take a minute to subscribe, rate, and uh, leave us a review wherever you listen to the podcast. If you'd like us to email it to you, We'd love to do that each and every week, too. So just text the word fishing to 314-665-1767, and we will email you the show each and every week. Stay safe out there on the water, guys. Talk to you all next week. This week's Alabama Freshwater Fishing Report was brought to you by Sun South. If your to-do list requires work on the land, come see us at Sun South. We listen to your needs so you get the right equipment and the right implements at a price you can afford. For John Deere equipment sales, parts, and service, come see us at Sun South. Equipment for those that do. And brought to you by Photonist Defense, PD Pro Ultralight Ultra Compact Night Vision Systems. Simply the best in class night vision system ever built. Contact us at photonistdefense.com to learn more. Photonist Defense, Masters of Darkness. And brought to you by Great Days Outdoors Magazine. Become a better southern hunter and angler and pick up your copy today wherever fine magazines are sold or save a bundle online at greatdaysoutdoors.com. And by BM Pole Company is more than just panfish. Check out their Sam Super Salt series designed for shallow water fishing for trout and redfish at bnmpoles.com. And brought to you by Bucks Island is a family-owned and operated business since 1948. At BucksIslands.com, you can check out the full list of inventory from new and used bass, pontoon, bow rider style boats, new and used motors, as well as kayaks for sale. Give them a call at 256-442-2588. And brought to you by MB Ranch King. Save time and money when you buy MB Ranch King's maintenance-free hunting blinds. Call Kevin for info or quotes, 205-807-2937. MB Ranch King, built in the pursuit of perfection.